History Minute, we're going to look at the National School Lunch Program. Cool Beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events. And in You Applied What, we're going to look at soil amendments. So with me today are Todd Schaumburg. Hey, Matt. Bill Schaumburg. Hey, Jens. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilt Agronomy. We are coming to you live from our basements, home offices, wherever we happen to have space where we can get away from everyone else. Still in quarantine this week. So. Is this week number three, guys? <laughs> uh, like this is like 30. 30? This is, we, we, just, we just live by day and night now, Bill. Yeah. It's been seven it's months since I've seen the sun. My kids actually asked to go to school today, so that's yeah. how bad it is. Just take them there. Wow. <laughs> no. I should have. I want to you take them and just drive, take a lap through the parking lot, and then go back home. What's it's really, safe. There's nobody else there. What's really sad, though, is if you guys seen the parks that have like the caution tape on it. That's like yeah. really. That's like truly sad. Like you want to cry when you drive <clears> by. They shut down some more state parks today. Apparently, I don't know if it was because they were having issues or what. I just happened to see that headline. Yeah, my wife it, saw something, was, something about they were not practicing good social distancing and vandalism. Apparently. Oh, yeah. I was wondering about that, yeah. But we were busy. The one down the road here has been really busy. I mean, the weather has been nicer now the last few days. Today was a little cooler, but... So it'd be... Yeah, it looks like we're having a cool stretch here, too, where it's... It's going to be a little bit cooler than normal, so hopefully... Well, a little closer to normal, I think. Yeah, true, true. It'll be more like normal, yeah. I'm amazed how dry it is, though. Even in the even in some of the water soils, walking fields today, it's pretty dry. Although I think uh, tile is the key that yeah, really Todd, making a difference. Todd and I were talking about that earlier today. Uh, how uh, he had a farmer comment, and I I had heard some comments and thought myself, you know, it's drier now than it's been the last two falls. Oh yeah, oh yeah. For yeah. sure. It's been it's been pretty nice. I actually put on soil sample a little bit, and for the most part, we're able to move relatively quickly. And usually when it's wet, that slows you down quite a bit. So Yeah, I've seen uh seen a lot of improvement in fields that I could barely walk last fall and now looking at some of the alfalfa and wheat stands, you know, you're, you're carrying pretty good. There's still wet spots, but uh it's it's been a lot better. I think our definition of dry has changed. That's the problem is, yeah, these aren't necessarily dry, but it's way drier than it's been since like a year and a half ago. So that's 20, good. 20, what, 17? Yeah, 2019 is not a good gauge of what's wet or dry. You know, just everything's wet. So compared to that, yes, we are drier. I didn't, I don't think we really got much out for spring fertilizer last year. And I, I've seen a ton of it out already this year. So we have to be a little bit drier. Yeah, no, I think there's been more opportunities to get out in the field. Some guys have been um, trying to seed in alfalfa and a few other things 
maybe some spring cover crops, but uh, a lot of, a lot of activity in the fields for this early in this area. So anybody try out their new masks since we're uh, suggested to now wear masks in public? I think I'm going to take one to the grocery store with me tomorrow. I'm not excited yeah, about we- it, but I think I should. We got to make a grocery run too, so I got to find a bandana or something. Ooh, Todd, you got a nice badger one there. Yeah, Ooh. Bucky. Did you buy that Mom at CC's? Nope. Uh, sold Bucky's one. locker room. I don't, yeah. So, yeah. Haven't worn it yet, So, but I got it in case. I don't, I don't know used why. To be a, used to be a badger thong. Now it's a face mask. Yes, now it's a Ooh. face mask. <laughs> nope. Whatever. Do you buy? Whatever. You know those like uh fa- like uh player cutouts that they give you at Packers training camp? You think if I just hold one of those over my face, that'll work? Yeah. Yeah. I've got a, a couple Geordies, I think, sitting around that I could uh fashion cut into the, a face mask. Cut the eye holes out and then uh you can just hold it up close. And then I can people I'm, won't think I'm you're looking creepy at Devante at all. right now. Devante, he's looking back at me like I know you're gonna cut my eyes out, dude. Got to go grocery shopping, though, Devontae. You got to understand. You got to make sacrifices for the team. Okay, projection, though. If we do have training camp this year, who's who's it going to be? Zedarius? There's always two, or, uh, two, to, two to three, right? I, yeah, I would think it'd be Preston and Zedarius might be good good candidates there, and then we'll probably have Devontae again, I would think. Yeah. I, I'm almost wondering if they're not going to um, try with uh, Devin Funchess, the new wide receiver as like uh hey get you know what i mean you know what i mean like a get to know this new guy we think he's going to be important for us yeah that's a possibility i think i think they might i think they're they're in the, the marketing game more we'll fun see. with funches more fun with funches that's right i should get paid for that yeah have you ever, Copyright. You ever thought about being an agent matt <laughs> yeah yeah that's remember really that's ruthless. I don't know if you want that, Matt. I think I'll stick to crap consulting. All right. Anybody else get anything, or should we roll into the four principles get of into soil her. health? Let's hit it. All right. So there are four principles, and we'll talk about a fifth newer principle. That's not quite official yet, but... Uh, First one we've got is maximizing soil cover, or is it sometimes known, soil armor. So is that just living, Matt? Do you think it's, or can it be other stuff? Nope. So any kind of cover is good, whether it's, you know, it could be a terminated cover crop, could be a growing cover crop. It could even kind of be a crop. You know, alfalfa and some other ones where you don't necessarily mix things would be maximizing your soil cover. You're trying to get as as much surface area as possible. Doesn't corn grain residue count? Yep. Yeah. So dead stalks from corn grain residue would count in that too. Even, you know, if you don't take the soybean straw, having some of that residue would probably uh, count towards that as well. This is probably really stretching the definition, but what about when they do like plastic mats on the vegetable crops does that count yeah i guess i i would think so i don't know that it necessarily has to be since it doesn't have to be living plastic isn't living so you're you are kind of protecting the soil i i don't think it's in the intent of the soil health no i would but i would think probably not 
Yeah. But it is a form of soil cover, so. What's the what's the goal of that? Is it for heat uh, or for soil loss or for uh, Yes. Yeah, I mean just yes. all of that. Yeah. 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 Everything right. you Yeah, you minimize erosion, um trying to yeah, cut down on the heat in the soil, like we talked last week. Uh heat in the late especially in the hotter times of the year can be a, a detriment to your growing crop. So yeah, keeping that shade on the soil. Had a discussion today with a grower about that as a new hunk of ground he picked up. A little bit different soil than what he's used to, a little bit lighter soil. And our discussion was he was considering chiseling it, you know, to level it out a little bit. And I said, well, why don't we just leave it? Because this is ground different than you're used to. And it was it was soybean stubble, so it wasn't perfect. And then one of the other fields was a was a grassier hay field. So we, we decided we we're going to leave it, you know, and in hopes, like you said, Matt, that that would keep the ground cooler if it got hot this summer. And, and he's not used to this kind of soil. So it'd conserve all the moisture that we do have. Sounds silly after two straight years of extreme, you know, of extreme Wet, yeah. rain. Yeah. To want to conserve moisture, but you never know when it can turn. So indirectly we were doing the same thing there. Yeah, no, I think it's it's a good good way to start too. I mean, if you've got got residue there, like Todd mentioned, corn grain, just leaving some of the the stalk there, not taking the stalks away. Um, that you know, that gives you something at least. All those, even a dead root, can help minimize your erosion. So, so there's potential there. Um, so then the next principle is to minimize disturbance. So. You know, we talked about erosion there a little bit. So minimizing disturbance, not just physical disturbance, but biological and chemical as well. So I think physical is the easy one. We all know if you minimize your tillage, that's reducing your physical disturbance, whether it's no-till, strip-till, all those are ways of doing that. Um, And then chemical, that one's, I think, a little bit, easier to understand too as far as not only uh, pesticides but herbicides as well so the more chemical you get on there you you can see nutrient tie up with some chemicals you can see uh, killing beneficial insects with with insecticides so trying to limit that to when you need it and then on the biological side that's where you know the the frontier of soil health can is is having your your biology in there and you know something we always think of as a benefit but that can hurt some of that biology is is a fungicide so we're protecting the plant but at the same time you could be hurting some of the soil biology so taking that into consideration as well with the uh physical disturbance guys do you think do you think that um you know my thought would be is the deeper we go and the more tillage we do obviously the more disruption we're going to have there's a little bit more of a trend in minimal till to these uh, vertical tillage equipment that seems to be pretty popular that maybe that would be a happy medium than uh, full tillage or, or um, you know, a big chisel plow or something like that. There's also a seed, seed rep in the area that's doing what he's calling fracturing of the soil. Basically, it's kind of like narrow shanked, uh, like a deep ripping, but it's not ripping. It's more just uh, 
kind of moving the soil up, kind of fracturing the below ground soil to re, uh, remove compaction after all these heavy equipment, you know, kind of after a hay field. So I got little, little different things going on there. Yeah. I think if you, uh, you asked Jamie Patton about vertical tillage, one of her th- things I've heard her say a number of times is that when you're looking at tillage, it's where do you want your compaction layer? So your vertical tillage, you're just making a, com- a shallower compaction layer versus pushing it down deep with your bigger tillage. So um, not that, you know, all tillage is bad or never till is, is the right answer there. I think there's a use for everything, but um, that's one consideration to strip till. I think that's different than vertical till is you're just getting the rows. Jamie Patton, the listener, maybe she'll send us an email and we can have that discussion. There you go. Shout out to Jamie. Doesn't this one, this one with tillage goes hand in hand with that first one to obviously reduce tillage. You're going to increase your soil armor. So that's kind of a good thing is some of these do kind of interrelate. Um, and then going next from tillage to just using good IPM practices, which is integrated pest management. So the more you can, you know, scout for something and then prescribe, you know, exactly what you need and try to reduce your use of those pesticides when you can, the better off you're going to be, uh, which is a good thing. So I think, um, those kind of things, scouting and all that really helps with this minimized disturbance, even scouting for tillage. I mean, we don't always have to be tilling and we can do it in an as needed basis when you do have compaction or when you're trying to relieve something that is a problem. Um, not just recreational tillage when you, when you think you should do it. Yeah, no, you're right, Todd. I, I think, um, you'll, you'll find as we get through all these, um, there is quite a bit of overlap between, you know, some of these different principles where um, one practice might fall into two or even three different categories. So they're, they're complementary in that way that you're, you know, doing one good thing kind of meets more than one of these principles. So. All right. The third soil health principle is maximizing biodiversity. And this one gets to be one of the trickier ones, I think sometimes, because you're, you're looking at mixing different kind of crops, and I think there's there's lots of room for for debate on this as far as um, you know how how much diversity is needed. What's you know what's right? You can go with you know four way mixes and have one of each of the different types of you know warm season grass, warm season broadleaf, cool season grass, cool season broadleaf, or you could uh, some guys are doing twelve, fifteen way mixes, so. Um, you know, what's right, what's the right answer. The benefit here is the idea anyway, is, uh, by having warm and cool season mixed together, you get coverage throughout the year. So if you're, you're doing it in spring and your cool seasons will be, uh, there. And then as you get into the warm season, your warm season might take over as your cool kind of either dies off or, um, you know, becomes less. So it helps get you that coverage throughout the year. And then um, the diversity is having different plants, accessing different nutrients, hopefully freeing up some of the nutrients in the soil. So it's uh, it's interesting concept and something I think we're we're still looking into what the total benefit really is. 
I'm with you on part. that. Is what's the total benefit? Is this one? This one I'm going to go on a limb, guys, and say is my least favorite, or maybe least important. I just I think that you know we try to achieve that, and it's it can be helpful, but it it increases a lot of costs in your system. It increases the potential for problems, um, and I, I think it, like I said, I could be important, but I would rate this. You know, if we're gonna put which one to do first and then which one to worry about last. This one's the one I'm not worrying about till last. One thing, Todd, you could, you could bounce off what Matt said before was with this, the warm season, cool season, always having something growing or something thriving at that time of year is you're going to promote the biological growth development in the soil too, of always having a living root there too. So you know, a little bit of a tie-in with that one, too. Yep, and that's the next, the fourth principle is having that continuous living root. So uh, maintaining coverage and always having <clears throat> something under the surface to not only, you know, minimize that compaction so you have the root there to create that space but help with water holding capacity and... um Having something there in a case of the last couple of years where it's been so wet, you know, something to take up that extra moisture as well can be a benefit. And so this is where you'd see your interseeding or aerial covers um, come into to play. I think this one's important to have that sort of green bridge. So you, you know, you always have something green growing out there. And yeah, to do this, you probably are going to maximize your diversity and have those different, you know, types of products to do it. Um, but yeah, is to try to have um, just to get the cover crops out there and be growing uh, when you can get them to kind of bridge that gap, especially for times like right now in April, um, when that stuff's just starting to wake up and can be sort of getting that biological, you know, soil moving and stuff when we've had a, a winter to kind of slow everything down. I think it's tricky too, to get interceding and aerial covers to, to take hold. You know, that timing is so crucial. We could be too late, could be too early. And every year is probably a little bit different too on when that timing really is. So there's probably a lot of um, art to that part of the four, four pillars here of soil health than it is science maybe. Yeah, I would agree, Bill. The the interceding timing and and everything can be can be a real tricky target to hit, and um, you your year in the weather is really going to be a deciding factor. You know, if that crop grows up way too way faster than your interceding, then you're potentially not going to have anything there in the fall like you'd hoped. Um, so that's one thing with that silage gives us in a dairy rotation is an opportunity to get a cover growing after the crop uh, in our neck of the woods, just after grain and even some soybean varieties, it gets hard to, to really get anything established. I think you're right that that dairy rotation helps with these last two is you're going to have more diversity when you have alfalfa. Um, so if you have alfalfa mixed with the grass that you're using, um, and then even if you're just going to corn silage, which is a warm season, and then you got covers in between that and stuff, it just seems like that opens up our window a little bit better. And where it gets tougher is a corn bean rotation 
it's really hard, a lot harder to maximize that diversity. And then also you're going to need, you know, to use your interceding aerial covers when you're in that rotation, just because the windows are a little bit tighter. Yeah. And if you throw wheat in there, um, whether it's for bedding or, or straw, that that's a really great opportunity. If you have wheat in the rotation to. Is bedding to do- and straw the same thing, man, or not? <laughs> what was that, Todd? Is bedding, is it bedding or straw or is that the same thing? Or I mean, where, where are you getting that? It's all in the eye of the beholder, Todd. All right. All right. Um, so then our optional, or I, I don't I shouldn't say optional. We talked about this a little bit before the, the newer of the principles. It's not really an official principle, at least not yet is livestock integration. So since we're talking about dairy and manure, so that's where you would work in either a grazing rotation for steers or heifers, um, having manure on the ground, um, ideally done in a low disturbance way, not just the traditional injection or, um, you know, here's where a surface application might come in too, if you can do it right and do it safely. And um, compost, which is an interesting concept, if you don't have manure or animals available, compost might be an option too to help stimulate that biology through and build that organic matter in different ways. So is this compost, you're spreading it out, Matt, or you're actually doing the composting on the site? Is it more just we get the compost and we spread it out and use it as fertilizer? Yeah. So at the the National No-Till Conference, there was a professor there from Arizona that was talking about um, using that as your, your catalyst. So if you don't have the manure with the active biology in the manure, having compost, which also has a fairly active biology, and spreading that out can help kind of stimulate your soil just in a similar way to what manure does. So, But I think composting on the surface would work too. I really like this principle in that it's sort of, I mean, like you said, man, it's not necessarily optional, but it's new. And to me, this one, I just downplayed the maximized biodiversity, and I would like to replace the diversity one with this one and move that diversity one to more, in my book, that one's more optional, or maybe this last principle or this one. Um, in certain areas and certain farms, it is hard to get your hands on manure um, and to have animals and all that. So it it that's really why it's optional. But where you have that near you, an option, man, I would um, I would really really, really go for the um, use of manure and um, trying to use that correctly, especially to grow your cover crops and to kind of promote growth that way um, really can help bringing, you know, basically bringing some nitrogen into that really heavy, heavy carbon-based system so you kind of can get that both, both there, which is good. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value to manure, Um and so that's that's something within a dairy rotation that, that gives you options to, to improve your soil health as well. So as we talked about, you know, all these principles do kind of intertwine and have um, complements to each other. So doing, you know, it's not like you have to do all of them all the time exactly as you, as they are. It, you know, there's there's different things you can kind of pick and choose a starting point and that'll get you some of the benefits and then work toward whatever your goal is. If your goal is livestock integration, well, you can work that into this process as well. I don't know if there's trading of 
properties though, Todd. We have to have the four. We can't be you can't no takes these yeah, trade all this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so all right. So those are the four with the new fifth soil health principles. So things to consider as you're looking to improve the health of your soil, like we talked about, there's options here, ways to start, and um, a lot of them are complementary. So doing one practice may lead you into meeting more than one of the practice or the principles. So, all right, next let's move into our spotlight. So since we're talking about soil health, what about having soil health at your fingertips? Uh, so there's a variety of different ways. Um, you know, we talk about traditional soil testing, doing NPK, organic matter, all that kind of stuff. Um, soil health testing is another level, looking at biology, carbon to nitrogen ratios, all that. Uh, but carbon testing and these soil health tests can really add up to be pretty expensive. So there was a University of Minnesota extension educator that is introducing a microbiometer test. So it's something where you, for $10 a test, That's you cheap. download a, a smartphone app. That's not expensive, Matt. No, no, this one's, uh, you know, a lot of the other tests are 80, 100 bucks. This one's 10 bucks. Uh, all you have to do is download the app. You get a kit that includes this card. Take a picture of the card after you uh, put it in the soil to get the microbes on it, and it will give you a reading of microbial carbon based on the amount of soil measured. So it's kind of a cheaper, easier um, not necessarily doing everything traditional soil health tests do, but a way of doing maybe a quick check in the field. It's a lot nicer than taking a bunch of Haney samples and making sure you have enough soil. You know, a lot of times we do that and you got to have a really lot of soil to get that test. So this is really easy, quick being you don't have to be as concerned about the temperature and moisture control that you do with you know when you're out sampling all day and trying to keep those samples in the truck and all that kind of stuff so that definitely would be helpful very good point max cost too that's an unreal sort of cost. i mean you know you're talking those other ones minimum is probably 40 bucks to test to you know 40 to 100 bucks for those other type of tests so That'd be nice too, just to have something a little bit more price effective. Yeah, it's something to be a starting point, and then you know, if you're you have more questions, you can le- it can lead into some of these other soil health tests. But it's, it's something that's kind of quick and easy, and potentially the future of getting started with soil health testing. So yeah, I thought that was kind of a neat thing. It says here twenty minutes displays results on your phone in twenty minutes. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, how many times do we take samples and we wait and we wait or we don't get them to the lab right away and uh or it's a special trip to the lab. This this could be really nice. Yeah, no, I think it it's definitely something to watch for the future, so. 
All right, let's go into our Ag History Minute. Love the banjo. All right, so today we're going to talk about the 1946 National School Lunch Act. Signed into law by President Truman, the Richard B. Russell National School Lunch Act of 1946 provided low-cost or free lunches to qualified school-age children. The program had the benefit of not only feeding children, but helping to absorb farm surpluses during following World War II. In 1962, National School Lunch Week was launched by President Kennedy. The program is still in place today. And even in our COVID-19 world, we are still getting some uh, school lunches out to kids from the at least our local school districts. So that's always kind of a nice little thing for families. And I, I found this commercial from back in the 60s advertising school lunch week, so... I thought I'd play that for you guys. Roll it. This is a good time to talk about school lunch when we can't, uh, when most schools aren't in session, so kids, when they really need it, need it. So. And at school, children are learning more at an earlier age. They believe in the ancient prescription of a healthy mind in a healthy body. Young Americans know that they have to be mentally and physically alert in every classroom because of today's educational needs in our space age. A good way to keep them alert is to make sure they get a good lunch under the National School Lunch Program. And that's exactly what 19 million children in thousands of schools are doing every day. They're eating a good, low-cost school lunch that gives them up to half of their daily nutritional needs. Don't take chances. Make sure your child is one of them. Better still, visit your child's school during National School Lunch Week. There's an extra plate for you. That is amazing. It's the best thing I heard all day. Yeah, I really like the music that goes with that. Do you think they had like back in the 60s or whenever that was was done 1946 they had just specific uh companies that did tracks for for videos like that well this one's from the 60s so that was 60s, when national yeah. school lunch week was yeah so no i'm sure they did there was probably i think that isn't that when uh when mad men kind of takes place It'd be that that style of advertising some guy in a room you guys remember puffing you guys remember that uh, movie Dodgeball? Did you guys see that one? Oh, yeah. That commercial that you just played reminds me of the video they watched in that movie about how to play Dodgeball. Yep. The black and white with Patch Silhulahan. Yeah, that's that was right there. Dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Dodge a ball. Dodge, dip, duck, dive, and dodge. Dive and dodge. The five Ds of Dodgeball. Todd? Yes. Is it bad when... Uh, when my daughter looks up her school lunch menu, what she was supposed to have, it was more in March because I don't think she got an April one. And she was disappointed what she had at home for lunch versus what she could have got at school. So she was very upset that she missed out on pizza day or chicken sandwich. Or Well, if you would just so, make yeah. your kids pizza every day, Todd, it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> yeah, No, it's just scary when we're getting our butt kicked by the school lunch. So I remember being hit or, hit or miss, but overall, okay. Yep. Todd, you got to get your lunch lady outfit and start serving up lunch. Maybe yeah, make her lunch feel a little lady better. Lady land style. 
Yeah. You know, you know, they still take like take that pretty serious about like kids' nutritional needs to to have a fully functioning mind. Like even when I took um, standardized testing when I was in high school, they provided snacks between sessions to make sure that you didn't, you know, crash in the middle of a test and not be able to perform. Yeah, no, it's a great program and continues on today. So nice little touch of history there. Todd, what should we do with our podcast? Please subscribe, 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 subscribe. And if you don't subscribe, tell a friend to subscribe and show them how to listen to our podcast and tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. So we need you to, yeah, go tell who you know. If you know a farmer out there um, that doesn't know how to use podcasts, just show them how. It's not too hard. And, um, yeah, I think they'll like it. Most guys got smartphones now, so they can pull it right up on there when they're looking at their weather. And please check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Tilth Talk Radio. So follow us there as well. Yeah, it's not always what you know, it's who you know. And if who you know doesn't know a whole lot, have them listen to us and we'll help them. Oh, that was slick. That <laughs> was slick, Matt. Wow. I didn't practice that, I swear. Yeah. We got podcast host, agronomist, sports agent, and advertising specialist. You do it all, Matt. You do it all. He's going to want to raise next. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm I'm just like Danny DeVito in Renaissance Man. Do a little bit of everything. All right. Let's get into our current events with Cool Beans, and that's corny. So, Cool Beans? Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. All right. Our Cool Beans for today is John Deere making face shields for healthcare workers. As everyone's trying to find a way to get involved and do their part, we've got John Deere stepping up and helping out our healthcare workers in times of shortage with some face masks. 25,000 face masks. That's awesome. That's not That's messing good. around. Good job, guys. Here's your pat on the back. This is awesome. It's good. Yep. So if your tractor doesn't have a windshield, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> All the tractors that come off the line this year just don't have windshields. Like, Sorry. <laughs> Ran out of it. COVID. COVID again. It's everywhere. Are, do you think they'll be green and yellow or not? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Hopefully it's not. Their logo will be all over it. The whole face mask is just one big deer logo, hopefully. but Yeah. It's a, it's a green frame with that yellow-tinted glass. There you go. Ooh, that'd be sick. Good. I'm a little concerned about the supply of vodka and some other alcohol because I read an article where all these... Alcohol companies are getting in the mix, making hand sanitizer instead of alcohol. So yep. maybe once we get out of this, we'll have a a bourbon shortage or absolute shortage or something. Hopefully, probably not. To vodka. I I I kind of doubt that. I think we got we got plenty. All right, and our that's corny for this week is Poet Inc. idols Iowa ethanol plants seems like a common theme we're seeing with ethanol, more plants shutting down. Uh, this one says corn farmers will lose home for 110 million bushel. Oof. So that's a kick in the nuts right there. It's a lot of millions. It always happens though, guys, when gas price goes down, right? I saw a buck, buck 09 or something in my hometown 
I don't know what you guys got. Did you guys see the one I sent to you last week where it was 94 cents and 85 was 80, like 86 cents? So, yeah. It's, where was that one from, Todd? That was Watoma, Wisconsin, that, that it was that low. So I didn't know whether to fill up or not. I almost felt like guilty, like you're stealing it. So, yeah. Uh, we were in um, near Beaver Dam yesterday, and it was uh, still $1.45. Whoa. Yeah, I was. And dumb. of course, of course, that's when I was out of gas. Is when I was there. A dollar forty-five though, like a year ago. You, I know. Like, sweet. I know. We we're like, oh, a dollar forty-five. You're kidding me. <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't think I'd it was under two bucks again. Ever it was. And, it was yeah, two dollars like a month ago. Yeah, now it's yeah. like oh, I can hold out for the next town. It might be cheaper. Right. I'm not feeling that so 11, bad. Eleven. About running a couple of trucks with this social distancing, you know, we don't want to ride in the truck together, so we can run two trucks for the same price now, right? Pretty much, probably cheaper, right. probably almost cheaper. Yeah, filled up for twenty bucks yesterday, so usually it's like oh. fifty-five. Yeah, when I fill when I filled the tr- the truck and two four wheelers, and she like she like said what it was, and she's like, I don't know what thirty-one something. I'm like, no, pump pump seven, ma'am. She's like, yeah, pump seven. I know, pump seven. It's like, wow, that was that was really impressive. <laughs> Guess how many acres that will be if you got? Should I, I used 150 bushel yield for 110 million acres or bushels? Okay, how many acres? 50 million. It's 700 thousand acres of corn. Wow, not even so close. A lot of acres. Yeah, That's crazy. All right, well. Yep, that is, that is corny, Matt. On that note, let's move into You Applied What. What did you do? All right, this week we're going to talk about some soil amendments. So I've got four soil amendments, and you have to guess which one is not like the others. So let's see if I can trick you. We've got Michael Apply. Mycosol, Earth Juice, Rooters, Mycorrhizae, and Biochar. So which soil amendment is not like the others? I'll go first this week. I believe in myself. All right. False confidence. Here we go. The Mycoapply, Mycosol, and Earth Juice, Rooters, Mycorrhizae are the same. They're all going to be a Mycorrhizae. Riza product and the biochar. Not sure what that is. I think that's a real thing, but I'm not sure exactly what it is. Biochar is definitely a real thing. It's that it's like when you're done grilling a burger, right? And you got to scrape that yeah. stuff off the grill. And it's like a yeah. Or if you were you know, like that charcoaly stuff. So I'm not sure you're going because yeah, I definitely know biochar is something we can use for a soil amendment. So I'm going to just keep that's in there, and I'm going to go Myco Sol because I've never heard of that one. All right. And Earth Juice Rooters just sounds awesome, so I hope that is something because it's a, not. We're, def- that's, we're definitely, that's some, definitely trying that to That sounds that. too much like a pl- like a red herring to be a red herring, so I'm, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's where I went with that one. It's like some guy in the backyard somewhere just is mixing up some stuff and is like, hey, I'm going to make this. Let's call remember, it this didn't, crazy name. Didn't we have like 
Thompson's hot sauce that one week or something? That yeah, was a, we did, a yeah. deer repellent. Yeah. Yep. Bill, what's your guess? What biochar to me? I feel man. I'm feeling Max because biochar doesn't seem like it should be a my a, amendment because it sounds like you're gonna like wreck the soil. You're gonna char it, but I'm not sure. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Max and go biochar. All right. Well, you two are correct. Biochar is the odd one out. It is Damn. still a soil amendment, but yeah, the first three and yeah, I, I just. It was between Earth Juice Rooters, Mycorrhiza, and there was another one called Pure Rootopia. I mean, they were too good. to I couldn't make these up. Oh. <laughs> I could not make Pure these up. Pure Rootopia is sweet. Um, I think I think Rootopia, you would have threw us off, though. Max's Myco was was on. Yeah, so Myco applies Valent. Myco Sol is Helena, and Earth Juice makes the Rooters, Mycorrhiza. Biochar is out of Vermont, and it is an amendment. So like Todd said, it's more your, um, you know, if you think of, they'd say forest fires are a good thing every once in a while because it leaves the soil, renews it, gives it kind of a self-fertilizing thing. So they take that and put it into a soil amendment. Um, there is some concern that it may actually be antagonistic to the mycorrhiza. So that's um, where it stands out a little bit. But yeah, all, th- all four are something you can add to the soil. Just three are adding those mycorrhizal fungi. Bam, good week. Good week of you applied what? I think Tilth Research needs to do some research on Earth Juice Rooter Mycorrhiza. <laughs> Get some, that'd be a good project. And some pure Rootopia as well, which reminds me of, you guys remember Fruitopia, the drink? Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I, no. first thing I thought of. Uh, <laughs> Max, you're too young, apparently. You're just a little guy. Missed out on the good stuff. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. I'll find it. All right. Well, that does it for today, guys. Another one in the bag. Thanks for having us, Matt. Yeah, thanks for being here, Max. So this week we talked about the four principles of soil health. In our spotlight, we looked at a potential home soil health test that you could do fairly inexpensively. Ag History Minute, we talked about the National School Lunch Act that established the National School Lunch Program. Cool beans were... John Deere making face masks for health care workers. And our That's Corny was Poet Inc. idling some ethanol plants. So we're losing places to go with some corn. And you applied what was soil amendments. So thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for listening, everyone. And as always, happy farming.